Well, hello, Annabelle Crabb, coming to you from a kind of a new setup. And hello to all of you listening. For the first time ever, we are recording our podcast and it is going to be going out on YouTube as well as however you listen to podcasts. Right. So there'll be a link in the thing. If by any chance you want to watch us do this in video <laughs> format rather than just listening to it as is more sensible, then that is fun. So today, this morning, when I was driving here, I dropped my uh, 16-year-old daughter at school and I said, hey, Lee and I are filming the podcast today. And she goes, uh-huh. And I said, we, we might even, you know, put something up on TikTok. <laughs> and, and she said, it was the most appalling burn. She says, hey, mum, that's really cool. That's totally cool. That's absolutely as cool as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just like actually have a burn. That me. is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it's it's so funny because so Anthony uh, produces this, our friend Anthony, when we t- were talking about should we record the podcast and put it on YouTube, uh, we were going, what? what? Who, who would possibly want to watch us? And he said, we have some podcasts that get a larger audience watching on YouTube than actually listen to it as a podcast, which kind of boggles my mind. But hilariously, for this first time ever, normally, as Crab points out on the podcast, I come slopping into these things in activewear looking like the robber's dog. And I just happened to have come in today. I had a photo shoot yesterday. So you so still got good hair. Still got good hair. Sweat like this. And I had a <laughs> meeting uh, at work this morning and so I've got makeup on and I'm dressed fairly nicely. So I just, you know, it's a very unusual occurrence for me to actually look half presentable. Well, I don't have makeup on, but I do, I did have a board meeting this morning. So I've, you know, I've got sort of my hair looks less catastrophic than normal and I'm wearing, you know, non-pyjamas. This so. is our way of saying that people don't get used to us looking yeah, presentable. If, if you're one of these be. people who watches a podcast rather than listens to it. Anyway, if you do, welcome along and I'm happy that it, it works for you. What have you been How up many to? fingers am I holding up? <laughs> what have you been up to, Missy? Well, as you know, I turned 50 recently and um, because I'm an idiot, I decided to celebrate this milestone by um, agreeing to do a one-woman fringe show. Oh, <laughs> thus ensuring that I would close out my 40s in a state of gibbering fear and paranoia. And now, now it's I'm gonna, like, can I interrupt you? I'm yeah. going to pull you up on something that your sister-in-law, in fact, asked me to pull you up on, oh, good. which is referring to yourself as an idiot and putting yourself down. Oh. You're not allowed to do it anymore. Okay. And she tasked me with ensuring that you're not allowed to do that anymore <gasps> because not- you're not an idiot. And so why call yourself an idiot? And so you're not allowed God. to. I'm going to jump on Which you for doing things like that. that. Anissa? Oh, right. Well, God, she's clever. So, I mean, so are all the others. <laughs> so, that's right. Oh, great. Now I'm going to be bailed up yeah, by no, your other sisters in Margo, blow it up. <laughs> Margot's going to be saying, you're banned from allowing Crab to criticise her other sisters-in-law. <laughs> anyway, so you decided in a, okay. uh, in a, in a completely I rational move. a go-getting lady exactly. who does not let the grass grow under her feet. <laughs> You've unleashed oh, no. Anissa. So- Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I kind of, I think I someone rang me, um, Daniel from Gluttony, which is a great venue at, at the Adelaide Fringe. Um, <laughs> it's like a 900-seat tent. And he's like, do you want to do a show? And I think I sort of said, well, I could do, I could do a show about like maybe 50 things I've learned from 50 years of life because it's a 50-minute show. And I'm like, well, that works. Easy. And it was almost as though I'd already done the mental work on it just by coming up with that idea. Right. So then I just forgot about it for ages. <laughs> Good. <laughs> anyway, now I have written it. So, I mean, it's it's very, Was it very hard to come soon. up with 50? Oh, no. I've got all sorts of just complete alien knocking around in my head. It didn't take that long at all, actually. <laughs> I could probably do another 50. And, um, wow. But you have been sceptical 
realistically that a show that consists of me telling essentially 50 anecdotes could ever be contained to 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> yes. However, I think I've done it. I mean, I've, awesome. you know, I've written it out word for word just so that, you know, I can make sure that I can do it in that space. Have you of timed course, it? Well, but the thing is, when I do it, I won't be reading out a script. I'll just be performing That's it. it. So Have you accounted for laughs? Because that'll add a lot of minute time. <laughs> or perhaps it's pathologically unfunny. How do you know it's not? How do you know it's not just incredibly moving? It might be. No, there's a lot of terrifying. I actually know, listeners, because I've read it and it's bloody hilarious <laughs> and fantastic. So yeah, it's <laughs> going to be great. So get yourself along to that. Yes. So it's at um, Gluttony uh, opening weekend of the Fringe in Adelaide, which is just an outstanding time to be in Adelaide. It's just like I'm taking my whole family because my kids are just like. This is something we like to do with you for work. On the 16th, 17th, no, shit, the 17th, 18th <laughs> and 19th and it's called 50 Odd Years of Crab. Lovely. And it's going to be excellent and I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Good on you. Well done. Um, I've always wanted to go to Wome Adelaide, which oh, I've yeah. never done. Well, the thing about South Australia, right, is that February and March are just completely bonkers, like everything is on. And as a result, I just, I cannot think of a city that is more pleasant to be in at that time than Adelaide, because there's, everything's open. There's like, all the parks are full of, um, I mean, in the fringe, the parks at the end of Rundle Street just become these incredibly um, diverse venues. There's just tents and shipping containers with like sort of 20 seat venues to a <laughs> thousand seat venues. And you can just wander around and just walk into something, you can book stuff, but like, and then there's the festival and then the Writers' Festival and WOMAD. I mean, it's, it's all happening. It's nuts. Speaking of places where it's all happening, so I went to Melbourne in January to go to the Australian Open, which I had booked tickets to last year to the finals and then got COVID. So I yeah, couldn't I remember use them, that. Which I was oh, that was a sad day, wasn't it? Because they were face. Oh, because you had the women's grand final tickets. Women's didn't final you? and the men's final tickets Ugh. last year. Anyway, um, so I went this year, I went to the semis and I did get to see Novak Djokovic, which was fantastic. And, God, that is a great event. The atmosphere is so incredible. Everyone's just happy and having a great time. And it's just, I, I mean, as you know, I'm fascinated by the psychology of those sports peeps. So I just spend the whole time studying them and watching what's going on. Anyway, it's just an absolute I love that ball. you go to the tennis for anthropological reasons. <laughs> it was a ball. And I watched, there's a show on Netflix. I've only watched one episode called uh, Breakpoint and it's about elite level oh, tennis. Oh, okay. I'd yeah. like to see that. Episode one's Nick Kyrgios, who I know you yeah. enjoyed the Reputation Rehab episode Oh my God, the Reputation Rehab episode on him totally changed my mind about him. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of... Um, I can't help it. I love Nick Kyrgios. I, I just I like that he brings entertainment and would that he's a him? showman. Would you date him? Oh, you probably would. You I'm psycho. old enough to be his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be into it. <laughs> be quite an adventure. Um, anyway, so that was kind of kind of interesting. Sorry, that was a gross thing to ask. I now recognise that. I was just trying to perforate the otherwise getaway opening to this show where I'm like, oh, I love Adelaide in March, but what about Melbourne? I mean, it's so fabulous. <laughs> We you send your we're public dollars away. <laughs> probably we're not going to run around all the capital cities. No. But while I was there, I did two other things that were really interesting. One was um, the Alexander McQueen <gasps> exhibition at the NGV. As we all know, I'm a massive devotee of fashion art. Yeah. Oh, God, I was in heaven. But I dragged my friend Lisa Miller along, who's not a devotee of fashion right, art. Right, okay. And so I was spending the whole time just grabbing her and going, oh, look at these headpieces, this is heaven. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah. 
Uh, Another fascinator, great. Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, did they have like Isabella Blow kind of because he had a they little did. collaboration with him. they? They referenced her, but someone had done like there were some headpieces there by her, but then there were also bespoke. See our parallel headpiece podcast for further detail. <laughs> Also, also available on YouTube. We went to the Isabella Blow exhibition. At we did. Powerhouse. It was awesome. That and was so this was a brilliant great. companion piece to yeah. that Isabella Blow exhibition. So it's just, I mean, Alexander McQueen's just a very interesting personality. I really like the clothes and find it fantastic. Yeah. And it's very, very well done and curated. And so if you are into that stuff, I mean, I can't believe you've not been to it yet because just get just yourself there. Just haven't been in Melbourne. There. I don't know why when it's so fabulous at this time of year. Oh, um, did you watch the McQueen doco? Like, no, but I should. Right, you've got to get straight yeah, onto I've that. Yeah, I've got to get onto yeah. that. And then also in Melbourne there was an exhibition which has been incredibly popular in Melbourne and there was a queue down the street of people to get in who'd booked tickets. Like right. it's timed entry. Um, it's you called pulled Time. Your superstar, you know, I did. queue jumping. You did? Oh, I my did. God. Um, it's called Time and it's by an artist called Roan. And it was really interesting and amazing. I, I really liked it. Some people absolutely love it and find it very impactful. It's done in Flinders Street Station in this kind of abandoned part of Flinders Street Station where he's built offices and areas to replicate things from a certain era, era like mm. a mailroom, a secretarial pool, oh, yeah. the train kind of, you know, controller's office and whatever. Right. And it looks really, really old but it's all made from new things. So he's got Ikea things that have then been transformed to look kind of old. It's really right. difficult to explain. And he has these gigantic images of young women's faces in each of the room as, mm. rooms as well. It's it's eerie. You have a sense of like you've stepped into somewhere where maybe the humans have been like zapped up by an alien spaceship or something because everything looks like it was mid doing something. And wow. so and the fact that it's in this kind of abandoned part of Flinders Street Station really adds to it and makes it work really well also so yeah it was um it's incredible and yeah it's just it's been so so popular in melbourne people have just absolutely flocked to it all right Gosh, mm. haven't you been a well-rounded been cultural person very very well-rounded and, cultural. and you've been like getting ready to do australian story too right yeah i have so that is to comes back on the 27th of february so i've been getting to know the new team there and um working on various bits and pieces and we did some test runs yesterday of um the new opening for the show and whatnot so that's all been great and i've been enjoying Who's the new that. victim can you say can you say who the first show is um i'm putting you on I'd the spot better get not you in with ABC at publicity. the moment but i mean you know the thing with Australian Story and one of the reasons it's such a great show and has been so beloved for so many years is that you can literally switch on any week and it'll yeah. be, you know, often someone you haven't heard of right. who's got a fascinating yarn and then you get the ones where it's someone famous and you get kind of an interesting deep dive uh, into them. So, yeah, so that'll be back soon. I love the battle with Oz, Oz Story. It's sort of a bit like um, conversations on the um, ABC radio where you kind of you think, oh, I don't need to watch that. I can't, you know, I can't spare half an hour. And then you watch the first 20 seconds. You're like, oh, actually, uh, I've never heard of you. I don't have to listen to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. This yeah. was a fatal trap for me when yeah. I used to finish 7.30 on a Monday night because I love to get the makeup yeah. off really fast and just get out the door. Yeah. And the monitor would still be going, showing the start of the yeah. next show, which was Australian Story. And so I'd be taking my makeup off and I'd be like kind of watching. And then invariably what would happen is I'd get completely hooked into it mm. and I'd I'd be saying to myself, just go home. You can go watch this on IV later. I'd be like, oh, but I'm just like, yeah. I'm hooked now. They've hooked me. Those nefarious people over there. Yeah, anyway, so that's been, um, been pretty fun. And then, um, yeah, I've just been kind of 
indulging in various other cultural things that are a bit less highbrow than Alexander McQueen and okay. Rhone. Okay, so my friend Confess. Melissa came down from Brisbane and she got me onto this show called Below Deck. <laughs> Is it porn? Is it porn? Sounds a bit like it could be porn. Is it sailor porn? It's Roger the Cabin look, Boy, episode is, two. I bet you there'd be a lot of our audience who would go, oh, below, she's on to below deck, you beauty. Really? It's a reality show. I'm a bit more high-minded, so I've never heard of it. Exactly. So, yeah. you, funnily enough, now that I've started watching it, I've seen it advertised on buses and stuff, so right, it's okay. quite popular. Okay. Um, so it's a show <laughs> that's set on a luxury boat, like Ooh. charter boat that people can hire. The okay. version I've watched is American, but there's apparently below deck Australia as well. Um, so and it's so a reality show. It's a reality show. Oh. So it's a, a Captain and his crew who run this charter luxury thing that's mm-hmm. hired by extremely rich people and their friends. Right. And so the season I've been watching, they go to the British Virgin Isles and they're sailing all around the place. And so the captain who looks like the captain from Central Casting, he's like Captain Stubing off the love boat, there's him. Then there's the um, there's the kind of uh, deckhand part of the crew. It's got a bit of an upstairs-downstairs vibe because there's the like deckhand crew who keep the boat kind of running right. and then there's the side of the crew, the stewards who make the beds and do the cooking and, you know, right. all of that kind of so stuff. So this is all real? Like it's just it's real. It's yeah. real. Okay. And so they're filming I mean, every real. episode there will be a different group of people that come on. And so you get Incredibly getting... rich people who have rented a boat and then are totally fine with a full documentary crew being there, recording their every move. People like every reality so strange. show. Like if any reality show. If I have enough show. money to rent a boat, there's just no way... <laughs> I would let some festy crew on there to come and embarrass me. Well, look, I'm not going to get any argument with me, but some people are into it apparently. But it confirms your every worst fear about when you're on a flight, when you're in a boat, when you're on any form of thing where there's people serving you, oh, that behind your back they are going, what Spitting about that, things. Yeah. that, you know, curly-headed poodle up on the top deck? Hey, my so sister-in-law <laughs> will not let that sort of thing be said about me. I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm I, not an idiot. She said you can't say it about yourself. Oh, she didn't right. say oh, I can't say it about She's, you. Right. I'm more scared of her than I am of you, yeah, so I'm just going to be completely obeying everything she told me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was – and so it kind of follows their interaction, I guess, as a group and what they think of the guests, but then also the tensions that exist within the crew themselves. Right. And it's, is there just lots of shagging as well? Yeah, yeah, because they get, you know, cabin fever and they're yeah, stuck sure. away for long periods of time. They, geez, they work so hard. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it's kind of um, the girl who's the chief steward is – kind of very arch and has a very dry sense of humour. So she's very kind of entertaining to watch her, you know, chat about things. There was an episode which made me laugh so hard where this – actually one thing I should say that's just gobsmacking is the level of sexual harassment from the guests of the crew. It's gobsmacking Um, because obviously they're always drinking. So the male crew are so harassed by women who want to like touch their abs and it's just absolutely gross. Any other workplace you just would not get away with it. Anyway, this chief female steward, Kate, her name is, is harassed by this bloke who's a guest and he tells calls her up for not you're not smiling enough you seem pretty sour and you know we just want to see oh, you smile chicks love, that. chicks love to be told to smile more so she's it. really annoyed so she and she's really good at the art of towel folding and stuff <laughs> so she makes the towel I fold. Good at the art of towel folding <laughs> she makes the towel fold on his bed into the shape of a giant penis yeah <laughs> and then she she claims later when it becomes apparent because everyone's they, they kind of have to survive on tips and so the crew's really cross at her and she's kind of points out like I'm the one who's been harassed by this tool but anyway um she claims that you could say it was a, a bird of paradise she said it's a rocket ship she was like it's not a penis I didn't leave a penis on a guest band it's a rocket ship and the captain calls her up and he's basically like rocket ship my ass <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, it's it's quite entertaining. God, it's funny, isn't it, when you watch something and you think, oh, I've just discovered this, and then you start to realise that thousands of other people are similarly obsessed with it and then you see it on a bus. It's yes, like, completely, yeah. It's like how teenagers must feel when their cool words get, like, picked up by, you know, yeah. adults. Like I said something slay the other day to my children. They were like, okay, we're finished <laughs> with slay. <laughs> It's done. Mum said it. Um, That's what I fear is about to happen to YouTube now. That oh, it's absolutely. Up. YouTube it's and TikTok are over. It's, it's smoking over. heap. Absolute yeah. smoking It's like that heap. time I got poked by my mother-in-law on Facebook and I'm like, everybody's on Facebook now. Um, bless her. <laughs> She was better at Facebook than me. Oh, the, I've just dropped my water. Oh, um, but I was just engineering that segue so that I could say something. Oh, okay. Which is, so Jared and I were sitting around one night and our daughter said, oh, we've got to watch Kunk on Earth. It's oh, this. I'm like, what, yes. what is that? This is a couple of weeks ago. And then we found it just on YouTube. Oh. And we're watching this, you know, a few series of it and it's just hysterically funny. It's kind of like one of those um, fake doco things. So yeah. the, the pr- main character is this woman called Philomena Kunk who's, you know, making historical historical documentaries but she screws up every sort of factual, you know, input and <laughs> interviews these puzzled-looking experts, you know, like, you know, so tell us about the Soviet onion. And the guy's like, I think you mean union. No, no, I mean onion. That's what it says uh, on my notes. <laughs> you know, And it's so dumb but so funny. And it's kind of like it's like early days Ali G, you know, kind of. Where- yeah, well, okay, so I've seen the promo for this yeah. and it looks really hilarious. So, I've, But I've got some questions that you might be able to clear up. The character's played by a woman called Diane Morgan, by the way. Who I've seen in stuff with Ricky Gervais. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is it... Are the guests that she's interviewing, are they in on the joke? Well, it's one of those things where I assume at some point they weren't because with some of the – I mean, she really interviews very, very gingery sort of Oxford dons and people who are like so deeply into their kind of silo of historical knowledge that they're kind of ripe for the picking. And you see their sort of expressions – change from polite sort of anticipation oh someone's interested in my field and here to ask some questions from the BBC or you know whoever makes it and then you get this sort of slight expression of puzzlement that starts to creep over their features <laughs> as she asks really random questions right. or sort of tells stories about her ex-boyfriend and you know like and do any of them start laughing um some of them do, but in a really controlled way. I don't know. My impression is, oh, my God, they don't know. Okay. But surely, I mean, it's such a phenomenon now. I mean, as we've been watching it for a week and then my friend Alice is like, ah, oh, I can't do anything. All I can do is watch Kunk on Earth. I'm like, <laughs> oh, are you watching that too? And then we realised it was on Netflix, not yeah. just on YouTube. And then I saw an, um, a, an article in The Herald about, like, is this the funniest show in the world? And then, you know... And then I think I saw it on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, yeah, I was thinking like Ali G, I think, probably scorched the earth for someone to show up sure. in the character and yeah. you have absolutely no idea yeah. and then, you know, you kind of stunk. So I wondered maybe if what they'd or briefed Borat. them. Yeah, Borat. Yeah. That's, that's, that I would think scorched the earth. So I was wondering maybe if they'd briefed them to go, you're going to be interviewed by this actress and she's playing a character and the character's pretty dumb but you need to just play it like you're being interviewed by the straightest. It's There's a really serious interview. It is a character and so they're not kind of being hoodwinked but it's like 
it's a character. Sure. She's a dumb person, yeah. but we need you to play it like it's a proper serious interview. Yeah. Surely out of courtesy you would have to. You'd think you know, so. Because otherwise you'd get, geez, yeah. you'd get a hell of a reputation around the academic world, wouldn't you? Like, oh. look out for this girl with a high ponytail. That's why I think they'd have to brief them. And also from the promo, it looks like it's shot with the same production values as all of those really high-end history yeah. docos and yeah. that they haven't spared any expense. No, no that, it's got a high product. It's got a big budget, I think. Yeah, she she's standing on cliffs. And, yeah, and that's right. What a brilliant idea though because those docos are just so ripe for the piss take. Oh, God. It, there's so much strolling, walking to camera and then just, just hysterical little non sequiturs chucked in. It's very funny. But the thing is also, you know, my kids are really into it and you do actually learn a bit about, you know, about oh, world right. history. Like it's kind of daft but you kind of do. I mean it's a really, it's an interesting show. It reminds me, did you ever watch that show People Like Us? It's a fake doco series and it was presented by, God, what's his name? He's in, he's in, um, he's with Steve Coogan in The Trip. Oh, um, um, Rob Brydon. Rob Brydon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. He's the narrator and it's this it's basically each episode is a profile of somebody who does a particular job. So like, this is Maria, she's a tax inspector. This is, you know, Dave, he's a postman. And then what you start to work out over the course of the fake doco is that it's just completely hysterically backloaded to just come up with nonsense. And, right. You know, the person is an actor, but it it sort of starts out straight enough. Oh, I yeah. see, right. Yeah. I don't know why that reminded me of this, but have you seen that skit of Catherine Tate where she's doing dipping a toe in the water of online dating and she's met this dude and they're trying to have a stab at the relationship and the dude's Daniel Craig? No. Oh, my God, it is so funny. So she's basically <laughs> acting like... Oh, so I've met this guy named Daniel. I mean, he's a bit dull and I'm not really sure what he's like and blah, blah, blah. And then the, the, <laughs> the shot lines and it's Daniel Craig and he's like pathetically in love with her and she just finds him like quite irritating. And then she's making him do things like they're going on like tandem bike rides together and he's asking her to cook him, you know, toasted. She's cooking him toasted cheese sandwiches or whatever. Oh, my God. It is so hilarious and he's just this kind of, you know, Oh, it, anyway, just Google, please Google Catherine Tate, Daniel Craig. I've seen oh, it a God. couple of times okay. and it's made me laugh like a I've drain seen every it. time. Um, yeah, okay, Kunk on Earth is absolutely close to the top of my wish list. Um, the other thing, you know, you said you saw a reference to it in the paper. So I watched something the other day purely based on a reference in the paper and it was like an episode midway through a season. What? That's how, yeah. So it was that's a, against the rules. That's that's subhuman. You uh, can't it's do quite that. bizarre, isn't it? So it's, it's an episode of television. The, the show's called The Last of Us. Um, okay. And I it's a kind of post, well, from what I watched of the one episode I watched, which was episode three, it's this post-apocalyptic. No, kind of no can do <laughs> sorry landscape and it's actually this uh, one of the reasons that prompted me to watch it so firstly it's been written up everywhere as one of the most extraordinary hours of television you'd see and they said you could Ugh. watch it as a standalone without watching the rest of the, se okay. the season so thus emboldened by thus this emboldened. you plunged in and one of the actors um i should have looked his name up but um is the guy who was the concierge in the first season of white lotus the australian oh, guy okay murray murray yeah Thingo. whatever his name yep. is yep murray thingo murray, um, murray bartlett murray murray bartlett bartlett yeah murray bartlett yes okay too um, late now 
His name's Murray Butler now. Murray Butler. <laughs> you, you will now be known. <laughs> we hereby christen you Murray Butler. Mate, I think that is actually his name. It is. Like, we just like, got the just, thumbs yeah. up from out in the control room. See, this is the other thing now that we're doing YouTube. We've got a control room. Um, also, I can't do the Google of shame, you know, when I can't remember somebody's <laughs> name. No, I still will do it. But, yeah. uh, so he was one of the actors in it and I oh, absolutely right. sure. adored him in that show. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch it on the strength of you. So it's this post-apocalyptic world and there's this bloke, not Murray Butler, the other bloke, he's living by himself and it, one of the things that I loved about the premise is he was like a doomsday prepper and he's been proved right. Right. So he's a hardcore dude who owned yeah. a lot of guns and he had a lot of yeah. tinned food and he had booby traps all around right. his house and that's been rewarded. Okay. You know, you, the, the answer is doomsday prepper. Yeah. You are correct. Anyway, this bloke, another bloke, Murray Bartlett, he comes across him on his property, he wants to shoot him because everyone's been, they're going to infect each other yeah. with zombie disease sure. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then they kind of get together and then I, I, I try to kind of don't want to spoil it. This all happens early so I've not spoiled anything yet. And then it follows the course of their relationship. At a certain point early on it gets to a point where I feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm watching um, Brokeback Lost Mountain all, yeah. with zombies. All right. And then it suddenly shifts in tone in the most clever way and shifts to becoming quite comical. But it's it's um I didn't walk away going, wow, that's one of the best hours of TV I've ever seen. But I did walk away thinking it had some utterly sublime moments that were worth watching oh, okay. for those moments. My it was thing great. With, um with post-apocalyptic things is it's like reading Cormac McCarthy The Road. Like yeah. I understand that it's a terrific creative piece of work but it just makes me feel so despairing to read it that I just can't yeah this didn't uh it didn't leave me with a feeling of despair but neither was it uplifting okay cool (laughs) so yeah it was just a good bit of work and the guy Murray Bartlett I mean wow what what a range like he was kind of if I hadn't known it was him he would have been unrecognizable to me but it just reminded me yet again how much I loved him in the White Lotus and that pent-up frustration, anger, tension that he conveyed so brilliantly in that role. God, yeah. he was so good. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will watch that if it doesn't make me feel like, Yeah, you just know. watch the one episode. It's only an hour I of your life. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. That feels bad and wrong. What if I give you something that would be an antidote that at the end of it you could definitely listen to and it would 100% I guarantee make you feel good? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a podcast, a companion podcast for better things, which we absolutely adored. Oh. And it's episode five, the final season, and there's an episode for every oh. – there's a podcast for every episode. Right. And, and she Pamela has, Adlon in it? Pamela Adlon's running it. She's <gasps> driving the bus. Okay. It, it is like you just are gifted a whole other season of hanging out with those amazing people that we just loved so by the end So it's just the cast, is it, talking? Um, she has a different cast member every week. And there's one episode, I forget what number it is, but, I mean, you'll listen to all of them, but there's one with an actress called Cree Summer who is – her friend who's got the long dreadlocks and who wears the hat. Do you know oh, her Paisley. Friend? No. Uh, it's something like that. Her name's yeah. something like that. And she's the woman who's just split up with her husband and she's really, really devastated. Oh, sorry, by sorry. The, the grown-up friend, not the kid's The grown-up friend, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pamela okay. Adlon's yeah. friend with yeah. the dreadlocks. She shows up and her, she and Pamela Adlon are clearly best buddies in real life. Literally from the second the podcast started, I was just grinning like an absolute lunatic because their energy together, I felt like I probably understood about 10% of what they were actually saying and talking about because it was all (laughs) in-jokes and hilarity and them just having a great time. But it was so 
adorable being around it. You just they just it was a, the biggest joy bomb ever. Oh god, okay. Yeah. So watch watch episode three of The Last of Us and then go to the Better Things podcast and then listen to the episode with Cree Summer. So there are, you know, it is possible for two middle-aged women to do a podcast where they just swap abuse and in jokes and it's <laughs> and it's actually it really gave me heart that it's actually somewhat entertaining <laughs> to do that um so i read recently adam k's second book do you remember like i was telling yeah. you years ago about this book by adam k called this is going to hurt and it's yes. a story like it's a memoir essentially of a doctor who worked in the nhs and uh, in a hospital and just got completely burnt out. And it's kind of like I, I really enjoyed that book because he's an incredibly funny writer, but it also has a great scope. Like there's just terrifying hospital anecdotes and things, but he's a really complex and gifted comedic writer. And at the end of it, like it's it's sort of terrible because he gets so burned out that he decides to quit medicine. Anyway, um, I read this book, which is his second book. Well, it's not his second book. He's read a, written a couple of other kind of comic books, but this is sort of the sequel, and it's called Undoctored, and it's what happened to him after oh, he right. quit medicine and he decided to embark on a career as a comedy writer oh. and as a comedian, right? And so um, it's about his various misadventures, and there's lots of sort of flashbacks to his past life. And one of the interesting things is that, like, in the first book, his partner that he lives with is called H and you never know the gender of that person mm -hmm. because clearly he's sort of trying to keep some sort of um, privacy for his loved ones, although not his parents who he's constantly paying out on in book one <laughs> and book two in a very funny way. Um, if I was his mother, I'd never talk to him again. But in the second book, he reveals that he has divorced H, who was a woman, and he has now come out. That was part of his oh, right. process of leaving medicine, torching his life, wow. getting a divorce and like falling in love with, with a dude. So, look, A, I'd thoroughly recommend the book. It's, um, if anything, even better written than the first one. And there's a lot about his process of coming out, finding his identity, um, his sort of spectacular misadventures in the early part of his career as a, a comedic writer but also at the same time I discovered that there's a tv series of the first book so oh. this is going to hurt is a tv series oh. and so I watched that as well and I'm just going to look up the one of my favorite actors who's in it and I can't remember his name because I'm well prepared Ben Whishaw oh yeah oh, right okay and the funny thing is that Ben Whishaw is really nothing like I would picture Adam Kay being. Oh. So the TV show is quite, it's sort of funny but also darker than the book. So you get, and it's quite graphic, like, you know, like the the surgery scenes are very graphic. Like oh, I, right. I wouldn't, for instance, recommend that you watch this series. Oh, As a person who's nearly okay. died in childbirth, I would say don't. It right. could be very triggering. Right. Um, but I would absolutely recommend that you read the book. But right. the TV show is terrific. Like I think it's really, really good, but it's also a different, it's a slightly different quantity from the book because a lot of the comedy from the book comes from the thought track of the writer and it doesn't show up 
so much in the TV series. So does it not? They don't have voiceover like they did for Fleischman. You know how you no, there is the, a voiceover, but right. um, it's it's hard for me to explain why you couldn't build in all of the gags because as a writer, Adam Kay, I guess his sort of comic style is is sort of a couple of paragraphs long. Like he builds gags upon gags upon gags, and you can't really do that on television. I, right. I'm like, I, th- I think that must be the explanation for what's happened. But that's not to say it's not funny. It is, right. but it's also just the darkness that is present in the first and the second book is more obvious in the TV series because it's not leavened by this sort of constant laugh out loud stuff. Like the thing that I like about both the books is that it is like at at times really grim material but the writing is so like it actually does make you laugh out loud. It's sort of it, it keeps you in this state of quite interesting tension. Hmm. Um, all right. Also, so, Ben Whishaw. My God. Funny He's that you said that he wasn't what brilliant. you envisaged because when when you talked about that book and then you said it's Ben Whishaw, I was like, oh, that's exactly pretty much in my head who I'd, envi- I'd envisaged. I think because I just finished reading the second book where basically Adam Kay talks about the long struggle he's had with body image and how he was overweight as a medical student and then he developed like a serious kind of binge and purge kind of eating disorder so right. the way that he describes himself oh, is not, okay. you know, not. lean, whippity, foxy, yeah. dark-haired, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. bit of crumpet, which is essentially, <laughs> sorry, Ben Wishaw, <laughs> foul, I know, but also right. massively talented actor. Anyway, I think they're worth, they're all definitely worth your time and I would just give you the little trigger warning about, you know, birthing misadventures. Well, on the um, sexual harassment of Ben Wishaw... <laughs> After what a lovely place to end. <laughs> we shall end. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I love how you said, like, well, the cruise boat industry, I can't think of anywhere where you get away with that sort of sexual harassment, apart from obviously. This podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, okay. this has been marvellous. Nobody um, picked their nose. And uh, the end. thank you to our viewers. <laughs>